0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito
1: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. It's our special preview edition. We're getting ready for the UCF women's basketball team heading to the NCAA tournament in San Antonio. They will face the number 10 seed, or excuse me, the number 7 seed Northwestern Wildcats. UCF is the 10 seed. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. We'll be joined a little bit later by a special guest, Philip Rossman-Reich. You know him from our uh from his Orlando Magic coverage, but little did you know, he's also a big Northwestern Wildcat guy. Went to Northwestern, follows their teams very closely, tweets about them constantly at Rise NU, and he'll join us to kind of give us the lay of the land on the Wildcats. But in the meantime, Eric Lopez, here we are, highest seed in school history, number 10 seed against Northwestern. Um, you see, it's the first meeting between these two. The uh, game is set for Monday, March 22nd, 4 p.m. tip at Bill grehe Arena in San Antonio. Obviously, one of the sites that um, that's, that's been chosen because they're having the entire tournament in San Antonio, the entire women's tournament, just like the the uh, men's tournament is all in, in and around Indianapolis. Uh, the game will be uh, broadcast on ESPNU. Roy Philpot and Brooke Wise. be on the court. Yep. Roy Philpot. anytime Roy Philpot's involved, it's a good day for UCF. Uh, this is the sixth time that UCF has been to the NCAA tournament. They are 0-5 all-time. Closest loss was 12 years ago against uh, North Carolina when the Knights were a 14 seed. Carolina was a 3. Last time was 2019, of course, and they probably would have gotten in last year were it not for COVID. But uh, in 2019, the Knights were the 12 loss to Arizona State in Miami, 60-45, to This is as good a shot as ever, though, isn't it, Eric Lopez? For the Knights to get their first conference or first NCAA tournament win.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this matchup with Northwestern is kind of an interesting matchup. Very similar teams that both are defensive minded. First, as we'll talk to Philip about. But you know, you look at Brian, our own Brian Murphy, our odds makers for women's basketball. Evidently, told us in our previous uh, podcast that Northwestern was about a three point favorite. I think that's, you know, that's a, basically a pick 'em game. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think you're right. I think this is I think this is definitely a more favorable matchup than 2019 against Arizona State which had more firepower offensively and they were certainly taller, you know, plus UCF hadn't been to the tournament. At least you have a few players on the roster that have been to the tournament. But so yeah, I mean, it's a much more a, a, a better opportunity whether they can win or not, who knows, but you're right. I think it's an intriguing game that Uh, It should be on paper, one of the better first round matchups of the entire tournament.
1: So Northwestern comes in, they were 15 and eight on the season, 11 and seven in the uh, big 10. They reached the final of the big 10 tournament and lost to Maryland uh, 85 to 52. They beat Michigan and Illinois along the way. Uh, Maryland, of course, obviously the, uh, the, the juggernaut out of the big 10 right now, but, uh, they have a few, uh, but the Wildcats have a few pelts on their wall here. They took out uh, Ohio State, sixty nine fifty seven, earlier in the year. This is a this is not a team that UCF is going to be able to overlook by any stretch of the imagination.
0: No, not at all. I mean, Northwestern certainly a team that you know they kind of like UCF. They were they were going to be in the tournament last year. They didn't obviously the whole cancellation deal, but they were on the top of the Big Ten. Big Ten is a top five league and in women's basketball, and they've you know, they done a nice job turning around that program, and I think they've got bigger fishes to fry. So you're right, I, I think it's a, a really quality team. I think UCF, my concern is some of the size that Northwestern has. I think points in the paint is gonna be a key in this game, and also protecting the basketball. Northwestern does a great job of turning you over defensively, mm-hmm. just like UCF does. I, I mean, to me, Jeff, as we watch this game on Monday, Who's protecting the basketball? And I'm not just talking about turnovers in total. I'm talking about live turnovers. In other words, turnovers that lead to layups and free points.
1: Yep, steals, pass throwaways, things like that.
0: Right, because if you turn the ball over, but it's a dead ball turnover, that's not going to hurt you as much as, say, a live ball turnover. And I think with both of these teams, they feed off turning you over and getting easy baskets because their offenses at times struggle. Uh, on the half court. So to me, that's a key factor to watch as this game unfolds on Monday.
1: Yeah. I know mean, we talked about, we, we talked all year about how UCF women's basketball uh, is one of the best statistically defenses in college basketball history and NCAA women's division one history, certainly by giving up only 49.9 points per game. One of, I think 16 teams ever to give up fewer than 50 a game. Well, Northwestern themselves is pretty good, even though they're giving up six, over 60 a game where they make their hay is uh, is is like you were saying, by taking care of the basketball, they're number one in the country in turnover margins, plus nine a game. So that's that's going to be it. So it's it's the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Right. So uh, to talk about that a little bit more in depth, let's get to our guest, you know, Philip Rossman, Reich. Uh, he uh, writes about the Orlando Magic for Orlando Magic Daily. Also works for uh, Spectrum Sports, and uh, he's a big Northwestern guy. And he joined us to talk about uh, his Wildcats on the uh, on the eve of their appearance in the NCAA tournament against the UCF Knights. Here's our interview with Phil rosman Wright. <laughs> Joining us now, special guest. You know him as the guy behind Orlando Magic Daily, one of the best. Writers, I think, in the entire NBA in terms of following in terms of following the team that he works. But what you probably didn't know is that he's also a Northwestern graduate from the prestigious Medill School of Journalism uh, and also follows his beloved Northwestern Wildcats uh, quite tightly at the Twitter account Rise and you. Philip Rosman Reich joining us from right down the street here in Orlando, a guy who knows a little thing or two about both of these squads uh, as UCF gets ready to face Northwestern. Uh, in, the, uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. What's up, Phil?
2: Not too much. You know, uh, I'm glad to be talking about a team that's, that's in the tournament and actually doing things because uh, it's been a while since I've experienced a basketball team winning. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice to, to, to put my other <laughs> oh, hat on and uh, watch oh, wow. the team oh, that's uh, the playing well.
1: thrown at both Northwestern and Orlando. Golly. Well, let me ask you this. So, it, so all right, Northwestern basketball the The trials and tribulations of the men team are well documented, having never been to the NCAA tournament except for one time in their entire history um which was which was caused for a holiday i think in the Chicagoland in the chicago area but
2: uh, i can I can confirm that it was a cause right. for a holiday in salt lake city there's, <laughs> there's, there, there, there there's that city's never been more purple and the jazz wear purple
1: right but uh, but let me ask you about the women's team give us a lay of the land of sort of the 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 thirty thousand foot view of northwestern uh women's basketball and the success and the relative success that they've had over the years.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, Northwestern women's basketball is is very similar to the men's team. Like, yeah, they've been to the tournament before. It wasn't like they had this long-term tournament uh, drought, but they maybe take like little pot shots at getting into the tournament. You know, it's maybe one year every decade almost every decade actually at this point. I mean, I remember the the women's basketball team was my first beat when I was in school at at Northwestern University. Uh, and you know, I, I read a lot about the 1997 team. You know, I knew about Annika Brown Sanders, um, or she was just Annika Brown at at the time. Uh, at, at the time, she was at Northwestern. You know, I, I knew a little bit of the history, but there just there wasn't much history to know, Um, you know, no, no, no super notable players like Annika Brown's probably the most notable player. And unfortunately... She's probably more known for something that happened after her basketball career within the basketball industry, which we we don't have to get into here. I can explain that story off off air, or you can go research it yourself. She was a very, very good basketball player um, and shouldn't be known for, unfortunately, what she's known for. but um but it was you know that there was just that one team and then just a lot of nothing. Like the year that I covered Northwestern it was two thousand seven they won just two big ten games, and you know, they were just going nowhere very, very fast. Uh, and so in 2000, I want to say 2008 or 2009, to hired Joe McEwen, who led George Washington to perennial tournament appearances, got them, got them to a Sweet 16, actually. Um, and he really changed the culture of this program. Um, it, it took them a while to kind of find their footing and, and break through and get to the NCAA tournament. But they did that, but they did that um, in 2015. Uh, or I, I don't know, I'm blanking on yours. But they, but they did that. And then they kind of struggled to get back to that level until last year. Last year, Northwestern won the Big Ten in the regular season. They tied, they were co-Big Ten champions in the regular season. They ended up losing in the tournament, but they were poised to be a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. They were one of the best teams in the country. And then, of course, everything kind of shut down. And so this season brought back a lot of those same players. You know, they're kind of really the actualization of what Joe McEwen Wanted to do the entire time he's been at Northwestern, uh, and and they they play they play great defense, you know, and they're they're back in the tournament for essentially what is the second straight year, which is a just a huge accomplishment for this program. I mean, I remember last year, you know, te- you, know you know, contacting a few of the old players that I had covered, and just saying, you know, like this is this is so incredible that that this program's got got here gotten here, and then they all joked with me that you know we we think we laid the seeds for this, um, but it, this is. This is a this is a program that is still trying to find consistency. Um, they you know they they've been able to do it every so often. It's just about trying to get you know Big Ten's tough obviously, but trying to get into the tournament every year. And and so this year was a you know despite taking a step back as a seven seed instead of a two three four seed. Um, it's it's still a big accomplishment to be back in the tournament.
0: Yeah, talk about their style of play because I watched Joe's uh, press conference after the selection show. And it was funny, we asked him about UCF, and he said he saw a lot of things <laughs> similar to what they do, because they like to play defense as well, right? They, 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 they believe in, in, in defending, uh, forcing turnovers, they turn teams over, they average tur- uh, 20 turnovers, the opponent turn- forcing them, and they get 22 points off those turnovers. So just talk about the style that he has brought to Northwestern.
2: Yeah I mean the, the the style that he had at George Washington was very much based on defense. They, they wanted to press a lot. They wanted to kind of force you uh, in, into traps and, and, and to speed you up uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's that's kind of how he's played. And it's, it's been a little bit more difficult to uh, implement that at Northwestern, but that's that's still the way they play. They, they get into you, they play physical, they trap a lo- they trap a little bit, they press a little bit. Um, their their job is to play is to really play strong defense. I mean, I think Northwestern over the course of McEwen's tenure, has had the the top you know the, the player with the most steals in in the conference you know several times, and it's 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 a big part of what they do being able to shoot into passing lanes and forcing you into into rough passes. I mean, it, it, when when that matchup came up, you knowing UCF because you know I've watched a fair amount of them as well. Um, I, I immediately said bet the under because this is this is going <laughs> to this is going to be a defensive battle. And and McEwen's right to say that, you know, these teams are are mirror images of each other in a lot of ways.
1: You know, it's interesting because um, I'm looking through Northwestern's team stats. They're, they're averaging they're averaging holding opponents to about 61 and a half points per game. UCF is one of right now one of the top 15 best scoring defenses of all time. They're holding teams to under 50 points a game. Um so right now also offensively Northwestern's averaging about 70. So where is the this is sort of the unstoppable force meets the immovable object a little bit, right? So where do you think the big friction is in this matchup?
2: I mean, I think the the friction is gonna is gonna be who can who can shoot the ball effectively. Um, you know, you you look at Northwestern stats, uh, you know, they're shooting 26.2% from beyond the arc. Um and and so you know, like this, this is this is gonna be a rock fight. Uh, you know, I, I I can't really describe it any other way. You know, you look at how UCF has played. Um, and and for those that don't know as well, you know, I'm a producer at Spectrum Sports 360 here in town at Spectrum News 13. So you know, I've I've watched a fair amount of UCF women's basketball as well, or at least I've followed them enough to to kind of have some familiarity, just to just to kind of give some bona fides. But, um, you know, UCF has been most effective when you know they get Alicia Lewis hitting threes, and and that's to me, I think that's gonna be the big. Difference in the game, you know, I think I think you see I think Northwestern has a little bit of the fiscal advantage And you know, you look at the raw stats and you know, you know, no offense to the AAC But the Big Ten is not the AAC, Um, you know giving up sixty one and a half points per game in the Big Ten is You know, if not the top it is near the top of the conference Um, It's and they're obviously playing some some much better competition And So the questions the question I think for this game is going to be who's going to hit outside shots Who's gonna create turnovers that that create easier scoring opportunities, uh, and and who's gonna win the paint, uh, and and you know I think those are the key areas. Er- I mean I've, I just probably listed the three ob- most obvious things in, in basketball, but in this case I think it's really gonna matter because both teams are gonna press. I think both teams will have moments where they're they're not gonna they're they're not they're gonna really struggle to score. I mean Northwestern, I think one of the reasons they they weren't able to compete for Big Ten title this year. Was because they would have quarters where they'd score eight, nine points. Just, just they would not be able to score enough. And I think that's the biggest concern for Northwestern entering this game. Is like, what happens if the shots don't fall? If the shots don't fall, and UCF really locks in on defense, because UCF is a very good defensive team. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to put put down put down those numbers. You you earn those numbers. And and those and and UCF is definitely a really difficult team to break down. And so the question is going to be, can Northwestern have the patience to break those break break that down uh, and and really press maybe the physical advantage they might have.
0: Yeah, the Big Ten, by the way, number four-rated conference in the NET and RPI as far as conference rankings is concerned, whereas the American is seventh in the NET conference rankings, eleventh in the RPI. To uh, the deal, I want to ask you about their offense, led in their guards, uh, Lindsey Pulliam and Veronica Bird, your top two scorers. They, you know, that's a pretty dynamic backcourt there. Pulliam was an all-Big Ten second-team member uh, or second-team honoree last uh, the, the prior week. Uh, she, she's been a, an honoree, I think it's almost around the 2,000-point mark, I believe. Uh, just talk about the offense for the Big Ten. Burton was the 2021 Big Ten defensive player of the year, so she's a good two-way player. But just discuss her, those two, and other players that uh, UCF fans will have to look for on, on Monday.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously Burton and Pulliam are are kind of the two two big players um, that that they have to worry about when you're playing Northwestern. Um, they, you know, they, I mean, Burton especially has just become a uh, just this this incredibly versatile player uh, and and able to to kind of be everywhere at once. I mean, her Big Ten tournament run was fantastic. A big reason why Northwestern was able to to upset Michigan, which is probably what earned them a seven seed. To be perfectly honest, they might have been in line. I was I was thinking they'd be eight or nine uh, entering entering selection Monday. Um, Burton 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 is I mean you described them as guards uh, you know and and certainly they they play on the ball, but but these are not. I don't think these these are considered guards necessarily. I think these are you know Burton especially is can play in the post a little bit. She's she's gonna work the inside, and I mean Northwestern strategy is not based on the three point line. they they're not they're not out there shooting a ton of threes. Um, they're they're looking to move the ball and get in the paint, and that's you know that's obviously that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see how these again these two defenses are so similar. It's gonna be interesting to see how both teams attack the attack the paint, and you know this is where I think Northwestern size might be the advantage. Uh, Pulliam is more of a traditional guard for sure, and and she she can hit from the outside. She struggled a little bit this year, um, but she she can you know when she gets going, she is a really really impressive player. Um, it's just the consistency this year hasn't been here after a strong year last year, and obviously those two are going to carry the bulk of the scoring load for Northwestern. Um, I keep an eye on on the other starters, Sydney Wood and Jordan Hamilton too, um, but at the end of the day it's it's going to come down to what Burton and Pulliam are able to do for Northwestern.
0: That's pretty that's pretty uh pretty interesting there. I want to ask you as somebody who's obviously part of the knows the the, the Northwestern fan base. You know, you and I have talk, talked about this at length. I mean, Northwestern has so much pride in their sports. Uh, you know, softball, we've talked about in previous in other platforms. Coach Drohan has done an incredible job at North Western women's lacrosse. Michael Wilbon just promotes the heck out of that program. On pardon the interruption, I'm a little disappointed he didn't give a shout well, out. I to the in, fa- in
2: fairness, his niece did play for them.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. So there's a little insight in there. Uh, so but women's lacrosse, though, it's been a big, t- tremendous program for them. Uh, where does women's basketball fall in line? Because obviously, men's basketball got so much attention for making that tournament and all the alums going to Utah. Uh, but let's be honest that's been it really for the highlight for men's basketball women's basketball you could argue has been more successful uh, as a as a whole so where does women's basketball fit in the whole picture of northwestern obviously football's at the top with pat fitzgerald and the job he Done over there. Where does ba- women's basketball fall in line?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously taking out the the revenue sports, um, you know, just because those 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 get all the attention. Um, you know, women's basketball, I think, is still kind of finding its way. I mean, again, when when I was on campus, no one went to games. Like literally, it was me and the beat writer would would catch the ba- the band bus to, to go to games. There's there was just no inter- interest uh, in the team, and and they were str- they were struggling. I mean, there's no reason to go see them play. Um, you know, certainly. Certainly, you know women's lacrosse. They've they've won national champ They're they're they had a dynastic run in the early two thousand the mid two thousands. Um, they're still among the best women's lacrosse programs. And honestly, like even some of the top women's lacrosse programs now, they, they Northwestern's fingerprints all over all over them. Like Kelly Monte Hiller uh, has a, a coaching tree in women's lacrosse that that's just incredible. Um, that just, just as that sport has has grown in popularity, um, you know I think I think softball is is right there right there with them. You know the men's soccer program has had some success, but you know women's basketball I think has always been a little bit of a sleeping giant on campus. I mean, I went, from what I understand, when when they were really good last year, fans showed up, fans were really excited, and obviously, you know, for for Northwestern to be in the NCAA tournament just to have those words mentioned, um, I think that does pique the interest of of fans, and and as Northwestern has gained some consistency, you know, they had the ter- they had the tournament run a few uh, a couple of years ago, um, in like 2014, 2015. They had that tournament run, uh, and then they, you know, there's a lot of interest in them there. There There's a lot of pride that they were back in the tournament for, I think it was the first time since 1997. Uh, And then it kind of went up and down. The, The team was just up and down. So if Northwestern now is heading a period where, they're going to be in the tournament fairly often, or more often, and they're kind of building mo- building kind of program momentum. I think the interest in Northwestern basketball is going to be going to be much higher. Um, you know, there's certainly you know some of the Northwestern podcasts that I follow have been all over the women's basketball team for several years now, and so I think on campus and 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 in that sports landscape, the women's basketball team is is really starting to make its mark and and show that it it can be one of the you know not perennial powers in the Big Ten, but like the football team. Able to compete for a Big Ten title every so often, and and in the discussion for, you know, the NCAA tournament, which is essentially the bowl games of of college basketball, um, fairly often.
1: All right, Phil, we're going to put you on the spot. Who you got?
2: I do think Northwestern's going to win the game. Um, I, I I think it'll be like a eight point game that feels like it's fifteen because the defenses are so good. Um, I, I think that there's there's going to be you know there's going to be points where. Both UCF and Northwestern just struggle to score. It's gonna, it's gonna. Let me. It's gonna be like last night's magic game, or Thursday night's magic game against the Knicks. You have two oh. good defensive teams, <laughs> but I mean, like, you have two good defensive teams. Sometimes it's gonna be really ugly. Um, and 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 what's gonna win the game is gonna be who has the spurt, who who figures it out for. A three-four minute stretch, and is able to get as many points as they can before the other team can 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 adjust. Um, I, I think North I, I think Northwestern's size from their guards specifically, um, are, is going to give UCF problems. Um, you know, it's 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 as much about you know, UCF just doesn't have consistent ways to create to create points. I mean, Diamond Battles has been fantastic, especially during this last stretch. You know. Uh, you know, it's they, they've, they've got they've had moments where they've looked really, really good and look like they they've put a lot of those pieces together. But so long as Northwestern doesn't turn the ball over, um, you know, they're a relatively low turnover team. Um, I, I think that eventually they'll break through and find that little bit to to pull ahead and win the game.
1: You know you're going against the knowledge of former President Barack Obama by making that pick. You know that, right? He picked UCF. I
2: I I under, I understand that a but, Chicago uh, guy but, picking UCF. But my, but my but my man my man my man Barack does not have a great record picking women's basketball. So, <laughs>
1: that's,
2: that's <laughs> so it's a lot. It's really easy when you can just slide UConn in that national championship yeah. line. It's so a little bit more difficult in the margins here.
1: He p- seven, he picked seven. Baylor to win it all. Right. So, going
2: bold. That's
0: a bold pick. Now, I, I noticed this, by the way. What is it about your school? You're talking about your Northwestern offense kind of struggling with women's bat at times struggling. I feel like I, I see this every time in your tweets during the fall in football with Northwestern complaining <laughs> about the offense. What is it? You guys can't get any offense in your teams? Here? I mean,
2: it is I, I don't know if you know this. It is cold in Chicago during the winter. <laughs> and and you don't you don't want to touch the ball. It, it it feels like a rock. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean it's you know. Joe McEwen has always been a defensive-minded coach. That's that's what he built his his reputation on at George Washington. And, you know that's kind of how he found an edge. Um, you know it's 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 it, you know they defense wins championships. I mean I think I think you know we see this everywhere. Uh, you know again I mean maybe UCF is the opposite of that, but but I mean like we even look back at like UCF's um, basketball team when they when they made their tournament runs when they made the NIT. Yeah, you had Taco Fall, but you know those teams uh, under Aubrey Dawkins uh, or under Johnny Dawkins, excuse me, um, were Really strong defensively as a start, and the offense kind of grew out of that. And you know, you know, and I think that's especially for a program that's developing and growing. You start with the defense as your foundation, uh, and then you could grow from there. I mean, certainly, yeah, you'd love to be able to score some points, and 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 I think at a certain point, especially in a tournament setting, you got to be able to outscore teams at a at a certain at a certain point. But. Um, you know, certainly defense is is kind of the bro- is the program builder. I mean, you see that across sports. You defend well. You keep scores low. You give yourself a chance to win more games and gain confidence to, to grow elsewhere.
0: That's all right. Defense, defense, defense. Now, we can't let you go. We got to bring up football. Spring practice is going on. We are in a honeymoon. Gus Malzahn, the greatest UCF football head coach of all time, is here. He's open practice to the public, which is like breaking news here. And we got a Northwestern Wildcat to help the UCF team. Tell us a little bit about the newest one of the newest USCF Knights who's a Wildcat.
2: Yeah, I mean Isaiah Bowser is was one of my favorite players for Northwestern over the last two years. Um I, I think he led the team in rushing this season, as well as last season. So this is a guy. That you know he can get between the tackles a little bit. I mean, this is this is. I, I was a bit surprised that he ended up at UCF because you know you don't think of him as a speed back. And and if UCF is still kind of keeping that UC fast ma- mantra, I don't know if he completely fits that. But you know even the fast teams need guys who can run between the tackles. And, and you know Bowser can do that. Uh, he can. He, I mean he can bounce off guys and keep pushing forward. And and, that, and that's so valuable, valuable. And, and you know he's he's kind of fleet of foot enough too that I think he can catch, catch balls out of the backfield. Um, and so, you know, I, I was, I was disappointed to see him transfer because, you know, he was, he was just such a fun back at Northwestern. Uh, he's someone that I really enjoyed watching and and wanted to see continue to grow. But, you know, he he kind of fell out of favor this season, uh, with Northwestern. He had a couple of big fumbles. I think it was his fumble, uh, in the game against Michigan state that that cost Northwestern their only loss in big 10 season this year before the big 10 championship game. So it's, it, uh, he just kind of fell out of favor, and and, and Northwestern found other backs that they really liked, uh, and so he obviously decided to transfer, but I think UCF fans are going to love this kid. Um, you know, he's, he, he's he, you know, you, if he's going to Northwestern, you know he's a workhorse, you know, to, to be at that school and be successful at that school with that program, you got to be willing to work hard because Northwestern is trying to make up talent gaps everywhere, uh, And and, you know, they've certainly narrowed that a little bit, but... You know, to to compete for a Big Ten championship, they've got to be outworking everyone, and that's that's really a hallmark of Pat Fitzgerald's program. There, uh, I, I think that I think that Bowser going to find a, a niche within this UCF offense, and I think he's he's going to make an impact. I mean, this is a guy that has succeeded in Big Ten football at the D one level, um, and, and so I think he'll find a role within this UCF team to contribute.
1: Between the tackles, Jeff, you've been saying this for like the last year. Well, I you, well the thing is, like they've been. We've been running a lot between the tackles under Josh Heupel with that north-south run game. And I feel like Bowser's kind of like the answer to what Taj McGowan was a couple of years yeah. ago. But under Gus, you know, there's going to be a little bit more east-west run game kind of reminiscent of what Scott Frost did. So I'm interested to see how Bowser fits in with uh, with that scheme. Of course, I, I could see him being kind of fitting into that sort of carry on Johnson yeah. kind of role where he's Ray running a lot Mason, more off tackles and yeah, things like yeah. that, and then you rely on your outside guys to run those jet sweeps and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a really interesting mix that UCF's going to have in the backfield this year.
0: I agree. I agree, and I think it'll be interesting how he fits in there, and it uh, should be fun. We're not going to ask you about Chris Collins, because you know, both, we both have Duke head coaches, you know, Duke alums. We, <laughs> both had a, we both had tough years in the men's. But, hey, can't we just each other? Can we do that? Can we do home-and-homes football? You've you got a lot uh, of influence, Phillip. I, football, home-and-home I, I, home, basketball, come I, on.
2: I am a proponent. Huh? I am a proponent of the Northwestern home and home with UCF. I, I think that those are There's some open
1: fun. dates in the future. Yeah, you know,
2: I, hey, I, I think that it is the smart decision. I I'm a little bit upset. Uh, Northwestern hasn't recruited Orlando very well the last few years. I mean, they had a nice run <laughs> of players from Olympia. No, I mean, I'm serious. Like. This is a, this is an area that Northwestern you know Northwestern's got a national recruiting base they recruit South Florida a ton a lot of their best players came from come from the Miami area but they had a nice little run of players from the Orlando area I mean Trevor Trevor Simeon was a Olympia grad um they, I think right. they had Chris they had Christian Jones who was also an Olympia grad they, they had a nice little run. Of players from Central Florida uh, and this is you know I know UCF is really focused on keeping guys at home but this is a really you know fertile place to find talent and especially the kind I think the, honestly the kind of talent that Northwestern is looking for um, and so I would I, I've always said it makes so much sense for Northwestern and UCF to schedule each other UCF gets the chance to play a Big Ten team and a good Big Ten team um, and, you know Get, you know get a chance to take a trip to Chicago, which, which is always nice and usually early in the year before it gets super cold uh, and Northwestern gets a chance to to get in front of people here in Central Florida and in Florida uh, and I think Northwestern should be searching for those opportunities and you know they're they're the kind of team that would schedule a home and home um the only thing that might be preventing them is the Big Ten office saying, no, don't do it um, honestly um, but I, I, I think that you know both Northwestern and UCF are incredibly similar programs they're both you know they're both colleges in or in or around big cities trying to you know trying to make way in cities that already have established college allegiances i mean UCF has grown tremendously here in Orlando but their marketing campaign is very similar to the northwestern marketing campaign northwestern has you know been marketing itself for the last decade or so as chicago's big 10 team you know UCF has used orlando's hometown team as as a moniker for a long time these schools are really really similar both and how they're trying to present themselves to their communities, but also in, especially in football, how they're trying to build themselves as national brands and kind of break into, you know, kind of the, the old boys club Um, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I look at how, what Northwestern did in football this year. They were, what, a one-loss team. They nearly beat Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, and no one's even thinking about them being ranked next year. And they're bringing back a lot of the same players they obviously brought in. An experienced quarterback and Ryan Hilinski as, as as a grad transfer from South Carolina, you know, there to me, there's no reason to not to think Northwestern can can win the Big Ten again, can win the Big Ten West again next year. Um, so it's, it, I think that these two teams, you know, are really really good matches for each other. I don't think Northwestern loses much if they lose to UCF. To be perfectly honest, Um, UCF obviously gains a lot, and Northwestern obviously, honestly, I think gains from winning too. I think it's a win-win situation for both schools. And you know, once you know, obviously UCF now has their athletic director. Northwestern is searching for their athletic director. If I'm Terry Mahajer, give Northwestern a call. I mean, I think I think it's you know I think this is a little ridiculous that that the two teams haven't played each other more in other sports as well. I mean,
0: amen to that.
2: I think the last time Northwestern played UCF in a sport was a men's soccer game, yes. uh, 2015, 2016, oh, oh, somewhere there, right, right? before that hurricane oh, yeah. hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the yeah, you guys bugged out that right edge. before
1: the storm hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I remember I was there. I was like, you know what? I need to stop at Wawa and get some food. Get have some like food. I can I can keep cold up, or fill something. Up
1: the, fill up the car with gas. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. That was, exactly. That's that literally was, what I. That's exactly. literally what I did on my way home from that game. Um, Wasn't
0: but, that match played in like where the Chicago MLS franchise plays their home matches? Wasn't that uh, the that return,
2: was The return. The return match was. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think I think there's. I mean, I think there there should be a good relationship between these two schools. Um, you know, I I, I I I I I would hope, and honestly, like even women's basketball team, I would hope this is not the last time we see Northwestern and UCF play each other. I like yeah. it.
1: Well, this is like the first it. time that they're playing in women's basketball uh, on uh, Monday, 4 p.m. ESPNU, UCF against Northwestern. Our resident expert on the Northwestern Wildcats, Philip Rosman Reich. Of course, he's a resident expert on a lot of things. Phil, tell everybody where uh, they can find you and what you talk about.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you care about my Northwestern ramblings, which is mostly just me saying every Saturday I hate this team so much, <laughs> um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at RiseNU. You probably know me a lot more for being uh, an Orlando Magic expert, so you can find me probably? there. Uh, probably, maybe I don't know. Um, if you could find my if you could find my dance videos from high school, I'll be very impressed. Um, I'll, I'll I'll leave that I'll put that out in the in the universe. Um, <laughs> But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily. Follow my blog, orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, you can follow me personally at philip, RR, underscore omd That's philip with one L, RR, underscore omd uh, And check out all the great magic stuff I'm doing if you if you uh, are tired of winning so much. <laughs> philip Rosman-Reich, thanks, brother. <laughs> Appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on, and great job as always. Thanks to Phil. He's always a good follower.
1: I, I, he's got more Twitter accounts than I have. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> He's, he's, uh, this he's dude a, is all over the place, man. He doesn't, jack- he doesn't even actually write about Northwestern, but he still tweets about
0: them. Well, listen, he was at the bowl game, the Camping World bowl game in Orlando New Year's Day when Northwestern beat Auburn, uh, yeah, in the bowl game, which is kind of weird to think about. Uh, that was, uh, so. You know, he's a diehard wildcat. I've known him for a long time. He's knowledgeable of the Northwestern guy. Man, obviously, he could talk all sports. Him and I have talked softball forever, Northwestern mm-hmm. softball, with Coach Drohan and what they've done over there. But, look, this is a great matchup in women's basketball, and I agree with him, by the way. I think there are a lot of similarities between Northwestern and UCF. Think about it. We both have Duke. Along as basketball, head, men's basketball head coaches. They got Chris
1: yeah. Collins, Chris got Collins Johnny and Dawkins. Donnie. I think Chris and Johnny were on the Duke staff at the same time at one point, Might, ooh, mistaken. Good,
0: might have been, yeah. And they yeah. both have led the each program to that historical first round win and, and tournament uh, appearances here recently. And you got two women's basketball programs that, you know, live off defense with some uh, good personality coaches that have won wherever they've been. I mean, right. think about that. I mean, so, I would love to see these two programs play more often in a lot of sports, Um, even football. I mean, I'm not opposed to traveling to Chicago for a road game and a home-and-home, and and I don't think...
1: Evanston's Evanston's beautiful. Like, where Northwestern plays, it's a beautiful town outside of Chicago. Uh, but yeah so. no
0: philip is great and it's good to hear him talk about a team that wins for a change instead of writing about a team that That's loses a lot like the other side.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough time for phil covering the magic <laughs> let me tell you over the last year especially a, this tell team, me about oh. it
0: as i cover as somebody who covers right, the magic himself, right
1: right when we were thinking it was going to turn the corner man unbelievable all right stick around we get back eric and i'll break down the game uh and wrap it up here on the special preview edition of the black and Gold Banneret podcast
2: just go to Cars.com. It's magical.
1: All right, welcome back. Jeff and Eric with you here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our 2021 NCAA Women's Tournament Preview Edition covering UCF against Northwestern. UCF, the 10 seed against the uh, 7 seed Wildcats out of the Big 10. Uh, once again, a reminder for you, the uh, game will be uh, at Bill Greehey Arena in San Antonio, which is the home of St. Mary's in San Antonio, uh, 4 p.m. tip on Monday, March 22nd. Uh, it will be televised on ESPNU, Roy Philpot, and Brooke wise, wise broad will be there. Uh, it is uh, the, uh, the sixth NCAA appearance for uh, UCF. Uh, and the second in the past three seasons, of course, last year there was no NCAA tournament. So, all right. So, Let's break down this matchup uh, between you and me. I actually think this is a favorable matchup for UCF, and as we hinted in the uh, in our in our discussion with Philip Rossman Reich, uh, which you heard before the break, so does President Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, who as a Chicago guy, picked UCF over Northwestern. I guess he likes him some defense. Now-
0: there's some criticism, though. He did write Central Florida. He, he wrote C
1: it. period Florida. Yeah. And let man. all the let all the USF fans laugh at that all they want. I think I I think the former president gets a pass. OK, he's
2: I, been I know. he's been busy. I but, know how
1: not- but I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure you see, hashtag. UCF Twitter mafia will be at mentioning the former president saying, hey, UCF, not C period, Florida, boss. All right. Uh,
0: yeah we'll see so yeah you're right okay, well, by the way it was good to talk to philip good to, to some yeah. nice football insights too by the way a little little scoop there but um yeah look it's a favorable matchup because it's not a team you're facing a team that's not a great offensive team so with your defense you have a chance to win this you got to believe this game is in the low scoring game in the 50s i think that favors to ucf but again it's going to come down to a couple factors number one can you protect the basketball? Northwestern mm-hmm. does a good job protecting the basketball. As you've mentioned, they only turn it over about 11 times. UCF turns you over. Northwestern, on the other hand, turns you over. Who wins that battle of the turnover battle is going to be a key factor. Also, for UCF offensively, you know what you're going to get from Diamond Battles. You usually know what you're going to get from Kaba. And you usually know what you're going to get from Kay Sanders. But you got to get production out of Alicia Lewis. Yeah. you got to get production out of uh britney smith and you look back at the american conference championship game one of the reasons they lost that game they got no production out of lewis and none out of smith and i agree with philip about lewis being the x factor here because she is their three-point shooting she is their best shooter on the team and when she's rolling they are a different offense when she's aggressive and, and, and attacking the problem is and it's a unique problem and i've talked to coach abe about it she is a pass-first point guard. She sometimes mm-hmm. is too passive and does not look for her shot. And, you know, teams kind of play to that. And Abe is like, no, you're a great shooter. Shoot the ball. Because that gives them some perimeter offense and really opens the offense up. So I think those are some of the things to be. Brittany Smith was a non-factor in the championship game. She's got to be aggressive inside because Northwestern's very good inside as well with size, rebounding. So her and Kaba have got to play well. And you know, this is not a UCF team that that has that KK right factor that can take over a game. They have to do it as a group, and they can they need all of them to chip in. They can't have just one or two players show up, as Abe mentioned, right after the American Conference Championship game. And I think that's why Abe was disappointed in that loss was because she didn't feel like everybody was ready to go and, and clicked in that game. They have yeah. to here here in this tournament.
1: Yeah, the thing the thing that concerns me, I think both the I think Phil's right. It's going to be a rock fight between these two teams and someone's going to have to figure out that late run. Right. And if it's UCF, they got to get Lish involved because here's a key stat that I think you, I think you were alluding to last two games in the AAC tournament. Uh, uh, Alicia Lewis is two of 13 from the field and a combined two of eight, uh, from three point range. And that's just not going to get it done. Um, you know, and the game before that, she was five at 12 against Cincinnati, you know, and this is on the, in the wake of that 27 point game that she had against you, uh, against, uh, USF in the last game of the, um, or, or in the, uh, the game against Tampa, where she had the three at the end of the game and didn't fall. I think that one of the things that UCF is going to, is really going to have to cut down is, um, is their own turnovers. You know, they're, they're not, even though they're, uh, they're number one in the, in the country in scoring defense, fewest points allowed. Uh, they're 239th in, uh, in assist-to-turnover ratio and 123rd in turnover margin. Okay, so what that says is they turn the ball over just as much as the other team turns the ball over. What, they, what UCF is very good at is forcing bad shots. Now, on the other side, for Northwestern, they're number one in the country in turnover margin, so they do force turnovers. And they um, and, and they also don't they take care of the ball very well on the other side. They're eighth in the nation in steals per game. So there's that live ball turnover you were talking about to ELO. And they're seventh in the country in assist to turnover ratio. So they're very good at distributing the basketball. Uh, that's one point four assists per turnover that they're getting. So that what that tells me is um, it, not only do they play obviously well on defense, but they're very good at setting up their bigs underneath. Um, they're averaging 68 points a game, UCF's averaging 58, um, but their field goal percentage is, is actually lower than that of UCFs. So it, this could be this could be kind of a, a, a rough time and I think the other, the other key here uh, and the, and this is the last one I wanted to send out there, you mentioned it all throughout the AAC tournament, especially against USF was rebounding. Now, the Knights are actually not too bad in the, uh, in the rebounding department. They're plus 4.2 a game in rebounding margin. Okay, that's 64th in the country. Northwestern really struggles on the boards. They're 250th, minus 2.7 a game. All right, so again, this comes down to taking care of the basketball. Don't turn the ball over as much as you've been doing. And this is going to be a huge game for Massani Kaba and Brittany Smith. And I'm really looking forward to seeing. I, I think we're going to see from Moss the same thing that we saw against her against USF in the championship game, where she just she kind of came out. She's like, I'm not, I'm going to go down swinging if I'm going to go down. And that's exactly what she did. I think we're going to get that kind of game from Moss. But I think Brittany really has to step it up here um, in this game. And I want to see what her latest stats were, too. Um, well, and, and, well she, you, ca- you, she kind of disappeared in that championship game. It's too bad because um, you know th- I thought that situation was kind of tailor made for her. And, uh, and this is a, I think this is a great chance for her to redeem herself here. Yeah, she was only 0 for, she had one field goal attempt the whole game seven minutes against South Florida. And this was after a game against Houston where she was really good four for seven, 10 points. Um, and that was off of a pretty rough night against Cincinnati. Um, she had uh, she had two pretty good games back to back to end the regular season against South Florida. This is her time to shine and I'm really looking forward to her snapping out of the funk that she got into in that South Florida game. She had a little bit of foul trouble too, but um, this is her chance right here.
0: This, it and it's going to have to. They have to win the battle on the boards. I agree with you on that. A couple players to remember. Remember, you talked about Veronica Burton. Average is 16.9 points per game. Their leading score is their really distributor of the basketball. Leads them in assists. 93 steals she has this year in 23 games. That's all that's an gets, insane she knows number. She just had to get into a passing lane, man. you got to watch out. <laughs> that is amazing. 4 steals a game she averages. She is a, she is there's a reason why you know defensive player of the year in the Big 10. You like yeah. got Lindsey Pulliam. They got a good 1-2 punch offensively. She at, Pulliam averages 15 points a game. Cindy wood is their third leading scorer averaging 11. Uh but those two are going to be the players. They have to Watch out for them. Even though Northwestern is not a team that depends on the three-point shot, Burton in particular is the one who could shoot the threes. You want to make sure you don't lose. Or kind of like UCF lost Cindy Harvey in that championship game where she just killed. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like South Florida was drilling with threes from everybody. It was just that Cindy Harvey in particular was killing them from the three-point line. Uh, so they can't let Burton get loose in that zone. And I think that's going to be a factor there. And you're right, uh, it, it's a fascinating matchup, very similar. I think the the intensity and the pressure, both teams are going to try to force the other team to turn the ball over. And you mentioned, and again, I'm going to highlight this again, and we're going to mention this throughout until tip time, Tip time, live ball turnovers. If UCF is turning the ball over in a, a, an extreme clip, live ball, they're in big trouble because I don't believe, Jeff, the team that falls behind in this game, if one of these two teams falls behind, by eight to ten points, it's going to be hard to come back against this the the defense they're playing against. I think you're right. I think you're
1: definitely right about that. You know, Northwestern forces eleven point three turnovers, uh, uh, turnovers twenty point nine, excuse me, turnovers per game, eleventh in the country. That's a lot. UCF forces nineteen. So this game could end up looking. I feel like it's going to look sloppy. But it's just the defenses are ju- could just overwhelm the offenses at least at this point. And points are gonna be at a premium. I think Phil was right. Take the under. <laughs> Take the under. I think Murph
0: said it was 108. So yeah. and, and look, these two teams are playing in a an arena they've never played at.
1: So yeah. how are they gonna a small about gym it? too? It's it's not right. it, they're not playing at uh at, at the uh at, at the big arena. They're playing um at a in a small gym, basically. If you, we've seen pictures of it, uh it's tiny. You know, so it's going to be it's going to be a very close in atmosphere. Yeah,
0: so. it's going to be All some right. nerves. It's going to be some nerves. Even Coach Abe has talked about that. In fact, you could watch her uh, post or her interviews on our YouTube page yeah. uh, there. But yeah, she.
1: But I think about- that goes both ways, though, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Northwestern, no, yes. Northwestern was kind of in the same boat this year as they as UCF is where they got in in 2019. No, they, they well no. Their last time they oh, got no, they in did. was
0: fifteen. They were suppo- they oh, 15, were going to get right. in last year because they, had they didn't won the get Big Ten. It. They didn't, but the tournament didn't right. happen. So you're right. right. You're right. UCF technically has a little more experience with a few of the players on the roster that were part of the nineteen team than Northwestern. So nerves will play a role early. That's something to look for early in the game. How both teams might be a little jittery. Don't be surprised if you know the first five minutes of that game. There's maybe like two baskets combined.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Veronica Burton, number one in the country in steals, like you said, total mm-hmm. 93. Wow. So. And
0: that, and, and that's going to be interesting. I'm curious what Northwestern, you know, is she the type that they're going to put her on diamond battles? Are they going to put her on a specific player? Are they just going to have her roam around? Interesting to see how Northwestern handles that. Yeah. But, uh, she's a, she's a force.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that could be a real issue for a team that, in mean, UCF, that is, uh, that gives up the ball you know, 18.1 times per game, even though they force a lot of turnovers at 19. That's, that's something that they haven't been able to tighten up yet this season. And if you're going to tighten it up now's the time. So um, taking care of the basketball, getting good looks on the interior and letting your bigs do the work. Two
0: teams, by the way, they're capable of pressing you, which yes. is so fascinating, right? Cause the old theory is, Hey, you would, you press a team that presses a lot. Cause they don't like to be pressed, which is fascinating. <laughs> but this could be a kind of a wacky, wild, low-scoring game if that makes sense because I think it wouldn't surprise me if both teams try to press early and try and put and try to force some turnovers and really kind of wear teams down. They both teams like to wear I mean they're very similar, you know, philosophies. They don't play the exact same style, but they basically the, the concept is the
1: same. Should UCF get through, they would face likely Louisville, number 2 seed. Um who is really good. They, they play uh, Maris in the first round. Uh, Maris is uh, they've got, oof, they've got, they've got quite a task ahead of them. But uh, you know, when we look at the, at the Louisville uh, Cardinals uh, out of the ACC, um, head coach by Jeff Walls, they've had, you know, they, they were in the running for a number one seed this year, net ranking of six, by the way, um, Northwestern's net was a 31 UCF was 38. Um, but this is a really good uh, Northwestern team. That's just, they're one of the best teams on offense, 23 and three, 14 and two in the ACC. Um, We, we touched upon it in our regular show during the week. Um, It, 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 anything can happen, obviously Um, UCF has not won an NCAA tournament game uh, before. They have as good a chance this year as they've ever had chances. They get to the sweet 16. well, defense travels. Well, we know about that, right? So it's a possibility, but again, they're going to have to get, you know, they're going to have to get hot, uh, especially shooting the ball. They're going to have to cut down on the turnovers if they want to uh, get a shot against uh, the Louisville Cardinals in, uh, in San Antonio. You think they got a shot to get to the sweet 16, Eric?
0: I just, let's just worry about the first round. (laughs) Let's just worry about the first round. I'm
1: I'm feeling optimistic. I, I, I I have, listen, uh, I have, and usually this blows up in my face, but, I have faith in Coach Abe. I have faith in her defense, in her philosophy. I have faith in Diamond Battles and Masani Kaba, your senior leadership on the team, right? I think they got a good shot. I, I it's it's gonna be tough. Well, I think they got a shot in the first round. They would have a shot in the first round, no doubt. I think they have a puncher's chance against Louisville. The well, we got to get,
0: we got to get there first. Yes. I think sure. that's the first, I mean, that's, and, not, and that's you know, exactly that's...
1: what coach Abe would tell me to right now. Yeah. So let's, let's focus on the game in front of us right yeah, now. Exactly. All right. Exactly. See right now your dog's barking. He doesn't even want to hear about this. I game. know. Lucy is not interested. She's, she's screaming at me. She's saying, she's she's telling everybody don't listen to him right now. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, uh, Monday 4.00 PM on ESPNU UCF against Northwestern, the seven seeded Wildcats against the 10 seed Knights. We'll be providing coverage for you uh, throughout the weekend and, of course, covering the game live on game day as well, uh, right here on Black and Gold Banneret. For Eric Lopez and Jeff, I'm Jeff Jarrett. Also for our guest, Philip Rossman-Reich, make sure you follow him for all the latest on the Orlando Magic and on Northwestern. Rise on you is his Northwestern place. Uh, Philip RR underscore OMD is his personal account. Make sure you follow him there best Orlando magic reporter that I know, Philip Rossman Wright. He just knows his stuff better than anybody. So um thanks to him for spending some time to talk a little talk a little bit about Northwestern. For Eric, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Enjoy the weekend and we'll see you on Monday, 4 p.m. tip.